All right, use them, don't abuse them. Talking about the gifts. And uh, we'll talk. I'm going to pray first. So once you find it, we'll get into it. All righty. Gentlemen, if you got a hat, why don't you pull it off and let's pray. God, we come to you this morning so very thankful, Lord, for your patience with us. And yet, Lord, your power to do miraculous things to work miracles in our lives, God, to give us truth. Father, that you have invaded our lives, though we don't realize that you've surrounded us with people, uh, some a little odd, Lord, but some with tremendous hearts that truly are your servants, that have made a difference in our lives. They've been that encouragement. They've been that person that speaks truth to us. And Lord, we ask that you would do the same in our lives, that we would become those encouragers, those speakers of truth, God, those helping hands, and that we'd become more mindful of your kingdom than the temporary pleasures of this world today. Lord, help us. Speak to us through your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Amen. All right, cool deal. I will read through this in just a minute, but we're talking about use them and then don't abuse them will be later on, but use them. Have you guys ever gone to a friend's house or maybe it's your relative, your cousin or neighbor down the street, and they have some of the coolest stuff ever uh, really cool remote control cars. I remember I had a friend that had a surfboard. Uh, they maybe have a motorcycle or an old car. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And they're like, yeah, whatever. No, no, this is awesome. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. You go, do you ever use it? No. Why not? You guys ever experienced that where your friends have something that's super amazing and you're sitting there like flipping, can I have it then? <laughs> it's like, well, no. But you, you like, use it, do something, come on. In the same way, God has empowered the lives of believers. Age is completely irrelevant. That's one of my favorite things about God. He doesn't really care how old or how young, how smart or how unintelligent, how eloquent of a speaker or how much you would stumble over your words. He just cares about the heart. And if you, even today, sitting here, it's like, oh, I'm just a kid. No, 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 you're a kid empowered by the Holy Spirit to change the world. And so God says, look, use them. Use them. Step out in faith. Transform the world and the circle that you live in, the school, the neighborhood, the block, the friendships, the families. Like, begin to be that light in people's life. Well, how do I begin to be a light in people's life? Begin to speak to them the way that you believe Jesus would speak to them. Begin to do things in their life that you believe Jesus would do in their life. It's very simple to be an encouragement, to share truth, to reach out a helping hand when there's a need. Now, you don't have to create needs, okay? Don't pretend like the neighbor's house is burning down every day. Don't assume everyone's life is falling apart every week. But when God shows you someone who needs something, guess who that someone is supposed to be that helps? It's you. When God shows you someone in your life that needs help, guess who's supposed to help them? Look at your friend and say, you are. Say, "Uh uh-uh, you are. Exactly. Okay? So use them. Imagine there's a huge fire. I mean, gosh, you guys see the fires that have been going on lately? This is crazy. You just started watching a show last night uh, called Fire Chasers or something. It seems pretty cool. But imagine they show up in their shiny red fire truck and they got their hose and they got their water and they just stand there and like, man, that is a huge fire. And they just watch it. They never get the hose out. They never turn the water on. They never put on their gas mask. They never, they just stand there and watch it. Come on, guys. And yet, rather than watching 
nature burn and houses crumble, there are lives at stake that will end up in the lake of fire forever and ever. And God says, look, I have empowered your life to make a difference. Speak to them the way that you believe Jesus would speak to them. Help them the way that you believe Jesus would help them. And the little things go the longest way. Check out Romans chapter 12, all right? Starting in in verse 1. Ready? You guys good? You found it? Give me a yes or no. Yes, give me a thumbs up. All right, here we go. I beseech you. I'm begging you guys. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And look at verse three. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. All right, what is he talking about? Number one thing you gotta know about being used by God, okay? Holiness is key. Period. He says, I want you, I'm begging you, before he begins to tell the Romans about the gifts of the Spirit and to use them, he says, you got to be holy. Present your bodies at living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Don't think too highly of yourself. We'll get to that in a minute. But holiness is key. God won't use a dirty dish. Have you ever taken dishes out of the dishwasher that aren't quite clean yet? Right, or you go to a restaurant, you get a little old-fashioned lettuce wrapped around the spork, and you're like, what on earth is this? Look, we start giving God our leftovers and dirty dishes. He's like, I'm not using that. that there's got to be a sense of, Lord, here I am. I'm not going to, on purpose, take in the pleasures of the world. I'm not going to give myself over to sin. And so holiness is key. Now, one thing about holiness is it is inseparable to something. It is inseparable You cannot remove it from humility, all right? You cannot separate holiness from humility. It is impossible. Now, can you fake humility? Sure, you can fake humility. Think about fire, all right? How uh, warm is fire? Is it kind of warm? Pretty hot. How many of you guys are like, it's on the pretty hot spectrum. Think you burn yourself? Yeah, okay, it's pretty darn warm, okay? Now, can you get heat from other sources? Well, the answer is yes. Anybody have an electric stove? We had electric stoves for a while when we first got married. And so you can get heat from other sources. You can pretend to be humble. You can walk around and you get straight A's. Like, man, you're so smart. It's like, no, I'm an idiot, man. I'm just like, stop it. Say, thanks. God bless me with a brain. Like, that's cool. Now you don't brag about it. Or maybe you're good at sports. You hit a home run. They're like, man, you really nailed that thing. No, 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 I didn't. Like, yeah, you did. You hit a home run. Okay, you can falsify humility. You can pretend, you can wear old clothes. You can grow up and buy a, a broken down car and be like, I'm so humble. Look, I don't drive nice cars. You can buy junky houses, even though you're a millionaire and pretend to be poor. It's like, you can fake humility, but you cannot fake holiness. All right. How do you know if someone's walking in holiness? How do you know if you are? There's a genuine sense of humility. Just like, yes, you can fake this humility thing, meaning you can get heat from other sources, but you cannot get cold fire. It's impossible. You cannot separate fire and heat. If you have fire, then you have heat. Deal? 
There's no such thing as, I got frozen by that flame today. Like, no, no, you didn't. And so if there is this consuming fire in your life, this pursuit of holiness, then guess what the result will be? Just like fire produces heat, holiness will produce humility. It's going to cause you to slow down, to not be so easily offended, to be less judgmental and more aware of the people around you. Does that make sense? Very simple. James chapter 4, verse 6. It's kind of a cool verse. Very simple. God says, look it, I resist the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That God, it's not that he doesn't love you. He just, it's like the dirty plate. You just, look it, this is not usable right now. You got to come back to walking with me before I can use you to bring others to me. Romans chapter 12. You guys are there, right? You're in Romans chapter 12. Check out verse 16, okay? He tells us like, at the end of the chapter, he says, be of the same mind towards one another. This is all about humility. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. And so this incredible encouragement before we get into the gifts, before we start talking about how God wants to do miraculous things through your life and the life of other people, he says, look at humility and holiness are key. They are inseparable. Make sense? Very simple, very obvious. Present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, and don't think too highly of yourselves. And prepare your, when you do that, you can reach anybody. Pretty cool. So here's the deal. Holiness is key. The second thing, the gifts, we've talked about this a whole bunch. They're different, they're, but they're the same. They're different, but they're the same. Just like you have fingers and hands. We've talked about elbows, how much you love. Remember how much you love your elbows? You guys remember that? You don't remember how much you love your elbows? Unless you're like eating like a dog, if you didn't have elbows, you'd never eat that wonderful waffle or cheeseburger. You'd pick it up, sure, but you could never bend it and put it in your mouth. There's different parts of the body, but they all serve the same purpose. Look at just to eat something takes your eyes, takes your mouth, takes your teeth, takes your tongue, takes your hands, takes your wrists, takes your arms, takes your muscles, takes your nervous system. It takes just to take one bite of a cheeseburger. That's it. And yet they all perform the same function, kind of like a car. It needs tires, it needs an engine, it needs gas, it needs oil, it needs a driver, it needs all of this stuff. That within the church, there's so many different kinds of people. I mean, look around. Aren't there different kinds of people in here? There's guys, there's girls, there's white, there's Mexican, there's black, there's whatever. I'm not good at this game. Asian, I don't know. There's people there's smart people, there's people that struggle academically, there's athletic people, there's people who can barely walk down the stairs, and then there's, but it's, but it's fine, there's people who are artistic, and then there's people who couldn't draw a stick man to save their life. I mean, come on, and that's a good thing. Imagine if we all showed up looking exactly the same, wearing the same clothes, talking the same talk, walking, how boring. God didn't make life boring, he made it interesting. And so, totally different, but for the same cause. Totally different, but for the same kingdom. We'll pick up at verse 4, okay? Read the next couple of verses. Romans 4, verse 4 through 6. For as we have many members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. It's like the elbows thing. So we being many are of one body in Christ and individually Members, meaning we belong to one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And then if this is your Bible, underline this. Let us use them. 
There's different gifts. Use them. Don't be like the friend who's got the sweet remote control car or the surfboard hanging in the attic or the snowboard in the garage or I don't know, whatever else they have that you are jealous of but they don't care about. Use them. Speak to people the way Jesus would speak to them. Treat them the way Jesus would treat them. Help them the way Jesus would help them. Look, we've got to come to this idea of an understanding. I want to ask you, if you don't think this way, change the way you think right now. That's what he says. Don't be conformed, but change your mind. If to you, Jesus and the Bible and Christianity, your faith is just something to be talked about, you are completely missing it. Totally missing it. Imagine if, I don't know, how many of you guys play baseball? Okay. How many of you guys like the Dodgers? Oh, yeah. Right. The they're good. Can't deny they're good. Whatever you do, whatever hobby or interest you have, imagine if you went to practice all the time but never showed up to the game. It'd be so strange. Why put yourself through that torment of being yelled at and run to death and you feel like you're going to throw up half the time? It's like, man, and then game day comes, you're like, I'm just going to sit this one out, coach. See you at practice. Like, it's so strange. If you believe that your faith and the Bible and Jesus are just to be talked about on Sundays but not lived out the rest, we're just completely disconnected. It's so strange. They are not. This is not just an idea to be understood. It is something to be lived out in your life, completely given over to it, 100%. So Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What is he talking about? Everyday life gets tough. Jesus is involved in the everyday life kind of stuff. And he opens opportunities all the time, sometimes through these. All right? So, next thing, take a look. Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 9. And now we're getting into the gifts. He says, but look at use them. So look, everyone say, use them. Point at your face with your finger and say, look at you. Time to get busy building the kingdom. It's time. Romans 12, starting in verse 6, where we left off. Having then different or gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. So you're not being asked to do something crazy here. Just step out. Verse 7, or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, and cling to what is good. So it goes through this list again, right? This is the last list we'll look at. This is uh, the remaining gifts, and there's a couple at the end of the verse we'll just throw in there. But the first one's prophecy. We're not going to hit this. We've hit it two weeks in a row. We're not going to go on, but it says, look at speak the truth and heart and mind of God to the people around you, whether it's about things now or things to come. Let it be known. You know what is wild? The Bible doesn't oftentimes make priorities of things. Like, this is the most important. But one of the things that makes priority is, is those who speak of, it is a place of preference. It is, first of all, the prophet. More important, even than it seems, the Bible teacher is the one who's willing to just speak the heart of God into the culture. If you finish the chapter, he says, look it, in the church, there are first prophets, then apostles, then, and goes down this list of amazing things. But on the top of the list is, look it, just Speak what God would speak to people. 
If that's truth in a way that confronts, then do it. If it's encouragement in a way that brings them up, do it. Go for it. The second thing, though, right, it brings up there in verse 6, teaching. So if you do this crazy word study and get out like a Greek dictionary and you open it up and you're like, okay, what does this word teaching really mean? You know what it means? It means teaching. It's crazy. It's amazing. Exactly. The Bible's of no private interpretation. You can figure this stuff out, okay? Just read your Bible. But teaching, but now it doesn't mean look, everyone should be go, go become a science teacher. Everyone should be go become you know, an athletics instructor or a, a surf teacher or whatever. It's specifically teaching the Bible. This is specifically calling some people to teach the Bible. Deal? It means to make clear the mysteries of God. When people don't know God, make it clear. Teach them the Bible. When they don't know who he is, teach them the Bible. When they don't know what his will is, teach them the Bible. But God will gift some of you guys, guys or girls, completely irrelevant when it comes to just teaching, but he'll give you the gift to, for whatever reason, people are confused by maybe a verse in the Bible and they don't get it and you read it and you're like, oh, I can understand that. Here, let me help you. And you explain it and they go, oh yeah, I get it. Cool. Now you may not be able to teach anything else. You may not be very good at it. But for some reason, when you talk about the Bible, people get it. Why? That's the Holy Spirit working through you to reach other people. It's the whole point of the gifts, okay? In teaching, uh, verse 8, what's the first one? He who, it's a weird word. What is it? Exhorts. Yeah, you got it. Exhortation, the gift of exhortation. We'll camp out here for a moment and talk about this. Uh, It's kind of cool. But the gift of exhortation, it means to call someone close by in order to comfort or strengthen them by having them alongside of you, okay? Uh, you guys ever gotten hurt, like really hurt? Yeah? Uh, Joel, your aunt-in-law busted up her ankle? Or who, how are you related? Dude, a picture like I've never seen. Her leg looked like a candy cane. I mean, just bent, man. It was like, whoa! Like, you know when you see a picture and almost pass out? The real thing must have been pretty bad. And I was like, <laughs> no. You think she was like, the paramedics are like, hey, I think your legs hurt. Like, no, that's not how it works. They came alongside and they began to work with her and work on her. They didn't just drop her off at the nearest doctor's office, but they stayed with her through the ride. They didn't throw her in her neighbor's trunk and say, yeah, take her to the hospital. They come alongside in order to strengthen or correct or help, okay? In the same way, you guys have broken arms and legs and wrists and stuff and had a cast on. That cast is there to stay until the healing's done. Some of you guys, God is going to call to come alongside of people who are a little bit broken in life. Not just to point out the brokenness, but to stick with them through the healing process. The gift of exhortation. It's a couple things. Now, one thing I definitely want you to know about this is it's not on you to fix people, okay? It's really not. We talked about the ambulance. Boom, there you go. What does an ambulance do? What are they, what are they, well, not the ambulance, the drives. That's what an ambulance does. The paramedics inside. What's, what's their job? What is their job? Yes. Keep them alive until they get them to the hospital. That's pretty much, yeah. They might give you some medicine you need, but it's emergency medicine, right? It's not prescription long-term. It's like, we're just going to do this to ease pain, keep you alive, and get you where you need to go. Yeah. Yeah, keep them alive long enough to get them to the hospital. 
Try and get them to the hospital as quick as you can. They get in there quick, and they do their job. Do you guys hear a theme going on, right? Get them to the hospital was kind of a theme that everybody said. Get, keep them alive, <laughs> preferably to the hospital alive, not to the hospital not alive. That'd be a bummer. Look, they're not the long-term doctor. They're not the physician. Their job is to get them from where they were hurt to where they can get fixed. The gift of exhortation, God will gift you guys with extra love and grace and wisdom to be in people's lives for the long haul, but you're not the doctor. You're just getting them from where they're hurting to Jesus. They need Jesus Christ. They need the word of God. They need the gospel. And so you're just taking them from their hurt to the great physician, Jesus Christ, the, the ultimate healer. So you're just about to fix them just to get them to Jesus. All right, does that make sense? Simple enough. Uh, with that, by the way, exhortation's a two-edged sword. Some people will call this gift the gift of encouragement. Have you guys ever heard that gift? Oh, that guy's the gift of encouragement. That makes it sound like you're a spiritual cheerleader to me. Like, hooray, yay. Like, you have a nice shirt. Go you. Like, okay. Like, um, I don't know. Now, the gift of encouragement's a double-edged sword or the gift of exhortation. Because on one side, it's encouraging people. Look, if someone's sad or depressed or thinking about killing themselves, you don't show up and be like, well, that's stupid. You shouldn't think that way, dummy. Like, no, 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 you don't do that. You say, hey, look, I know life's hurting, but you know that God says he has a living hope for you, one that'll never die, and a plan, and a future, and a hope, and he's written down all your days, even though you haven't lived them. God's flat out excited for the next part of your life. I know you're hurting, but Jesus says you come to me, and he'll give you rest, and hope, and healing, and he'll comfort you, and you lift them up, right? You're bringing them closer to the cross, but... Then you might have friends who are quite lofty in their opinion of themselves. They're very prideful and arrogant. They're mean and judgmental. And so you've got to come in with grace, kind of pull them down off of their high horse, whatever that. I don't understand that saying at all, but we all understand it. We get it. Pull them off the horse. Oh, you're the, oh they think they're the king on the horse. Okay, that makes more sense. So here we go. Maybe you have a friend that's stuck in sin and they won't give it up. And they keep pushing it aside, like it's not that big of a deal. Your job say, hey, look, what you're doing, yeah, it's wrong. What you're doing is wrong. Who you're hanging out with is messing you up. I've known you since you were in second grade, man. We played Legos together. What you're doing is wrong. And you call them out on it, not with a mean spirit, but with a spirit of love and gentleness and compassion. The Bible says you do it considering yourself so that you also don't fall into that temptation. You bring them back. So exhortation is either bringing people up to the cross or sometimes down to the cross, depending on what their issue is. So you're not just a spiritual cheerleader or an encourager. You're bringing people closer to Jesus. That makes sense? Pretty simple? Okay. Gift of giving. Giving what? Money. Okay. Now, not always just cash, but things that cost something, uh, things that are not necessarily free, it is amazing. The gift of giving is pretty rad. Now, when it talks about the gift of giving, it could be money towards something. Oh, you know what? Um, there's someone that wanted to buy, a, or we need a whole bunch of chairs. And there's someone comes and like, I want to buy the chairs. We put on a big conference last month for all these people who, like your leaders and youth pastors and stuff. And this person found out about it. and was like, I want to pay for dinner. It's like, for who? For everyone. I want to buy, I want to buy the dinner for everybody. It's like, 
You know, that could be up to like 300 people, right? Yeah, I want to pay for the whole thing. Like, oh, awesome, tacos! Like, and so we had the best tacos ever. Why? Because someone just genuinely, they saw something God was doing and said, I want to be part of that. How can I help? And they wanted to give, and they gave elaborately. I have a friend, kind of a, kind of a you know, a distant friend, so you're not best friends, but you're, you're, good, you're good friends. His name's Tommy. He does amazing things with metal. He's a metal worker. And he found out about some stuff going on in the tent. We called him up, like, hey, Tommy, could you help us out? And he's like, yeah, sure. I'll make that for you. I was like, okay. And how much is it going to cost? He's like, no, 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 no. I'll just, I'll pay for the whole thing. Like, What? This is a, not the tent, but the stuff that maybe some of it's going into the tent. That's amazing. So God may prompt some of you guys, if you got a dollar in your pocket or a million in the bank, it doesn't really matter how much. But when you see God doing something, you're like, oh, I want to help. How can I help? And you just want to buy stuff. You know the drums in the junior high, the drums in the stage, and the drums in the main were all donated? Thousands of dollars worth of instruments. Pretty cool. Why? Because someone had this gift of giving. Now, it's not giving like the way you give a fish a worm on a hook. Hey, come here, fishy. I got a worm for you. Like, <laughs> how's that taste? Okay. So it's not like, hey, I'm going to give these people some money so that they do what I say. Oh, I'll give you this money so that now I can remind you of the blessing I was and then I, you, you have to owe me back one day. No. It is just giving because you want to give. Now, here's the fun part. It's not like, oh, fine. I hate this part of being a Christian. This is so horrible. No, come on. Look at verse 8. He who gives with liberality or liberally. What is it talking about? It means the freedom of mind. It's this cool word that just means, look it, there's no guilt. There's no shame. You're just freely prompted and excited to get rid of your money to help build the kingdom of God. So, if some of you guys ever get to this point of like, I got a buck and I want to do something with it. Like, praise the Lord. That is him prompting you to be involved in the building of his kingdom. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, deal. Next one. The gift of leading. Okay. Or leadership. This is a cool one. Uh, oftentimes misunderstood or underappreciated. So the gift of leadership. This does not mean, right, you guys know it's the jersey here. Every team has at least one of these, typically only one. What's the big C stand for on the top jersey? Captain. Team captain, right? He's like the best on the team, except not usually. Uh, he's, he's good, but there's something else in that person that's not just a talent or a skill with athletics. It's their ability to lead people aside from the athletics that binds the team together. Their determination, their insight, their understanding. And so God says in the same way that there's like these team captains, that God will raise people up and gift them with this ability to lead his people, to lead a specific um, pursuit or, ha, get it, the pursuit. <laughs> totally unintentional. Sorry about that. But to lead. But it doesn't mean a lot of times the team captain, he gets to go out there and do the coin toss or he gets to do, no, no, hold on a second. It's not about being in the spotlight. Not at all. The team captain's not just got this cool extra letter on his jersey or he's in the spotlight or gets to do the coin toss. He means he's the first one to bear the burdens of other people. He's the first one to assume the responsibilities for failure, not just the successes. He's the first one to be hit when the enemy comes. And he's okay with that. That if God gifts you with leadership, you'll be a strong person, maybe, maybe not. But God will call you. Look, if God's calling you to lead, lead. 
but you better keep your boots on, as they say, because it's not easy or glamorous. People only see what happens in the spotlight. They don't see what it takes to get there. And so when God gifts you guys, not just with influence, but legitimate leadership, it means you lead at all costs. You're not in it for the people. You're in it for the king. You're in it for Jesus. It says idea, okay? Um, it says to, to lead with diligence. Look at your Bible. Verse, where are we at? Seven? Yeah. So verse eight. He who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, that freedom of mind, he who leads with diligence. It means diligence is to be personally invested into this thing. Uh, use hockey for a little minute. Any sport, any hobby, anything. There's even academics at school. There are people who go to practice. Pretty much, typically, the whole team shows up, at least most of them, right? And they do practice. Then there's those few people who go home and keep practicing. And then they wake up on Saturday and they go to the park and practice more. And then they go home and they swing the bat in the backyard or they kick the ball at the park and they just live this thing all the time. Yes, they go to practice with everyone else, but when they're off the clock, in a sense, there is no clock in their mind. This is what I do. And the Lord says, look, I'm going to call some of you to lead my kingdom, but it's going to be in you. Don't try and turn it on and turn it off. There's no clock that you run by. It's not about showing up to certain things, but not others, that you're fully committed all of the time. So you guys good on this one? Gift of leadership is amazing when that person truly leads. Uh, When they won't, it's a bummer. So if I could encourage you guys... I had an awesome friend one time challenge me, gift of exhortation. I knew what God was calling me to do, and I thought I was doing it, but I was, I was kind of pretending to do it. And they kind of cornered me, not in a sense. We were stuck piling up a bunch of stuff, and it was just him and I, and he just said, look, when are you going to finally do what God's telling you to do? What kind of friend says that? A really good one. And so, look, if you're called to lead, do it. Don't half-heartedly do it, Okay. Uh, the gift of leading, gift of mercy. Here we go. Have mercy. Everyone say, have mercy. Okay, we've all got to have mercy. We've all got to have mercy. But the gift of mercy is pretty awesome. It means to help those who are afflicted. They're specifically hurting. Uh, it means those who are seeking aid. You have this odd compassion where everyone else can walk by someone hurting or sees a need and doesn't care. And you're just like, oh man, I got to do something. God will use you to meet the most interesting needs available. He'll use you with the homeless or the burned out or the broken or the drug addicts or whatever. It doesn't matter. That guy looks scary. No, he looks like he's in need. Let's help him. He has a tattoo. Like, so what? It's of his grandma. Like, I don't know. You'll see past it all. You'll just see the heart of people. And God will gift some of you guys to be uniquely merciful when it comes to the aid of others. Uh, have you guys ever been in the hospital like overnight? Yeah. yeah. I know my wife has more than I. Just, we have four kids, right? Best four kids on planet Earth. That's secondary. Yeah, yeah, I'll fight you over that. Don't worry. No, but here, you, here we go. Um, so being in the hospital, especially when Rochelle first went in with our first baby, she was there for a long time. There was something went wrong and there was an emergency surgery and all this crazy stuff. So she was in there for a long time. And different nurses come in and out of the hospital based upon the time they were assigned to work that week, right? There are some that come in, and they are just 
so kind. And okay, hey, you know what? This isn't going to feel very good. And they just do such a good job. And then there's others like, here, I'm here to fix you. And they start, okay, calm down. Like, I know this is your job, but I have feelings. And I'm not even the person getting stuck and I feel bad. Like, so just because you have a position doesn't mean you should be there necessarily. And if you find yourself helping people but being mad at them at the same time, like, please stop. You're probably hurting them more than helping them. That's why it says, in mercy, with cheerfulness. Just have this mind of like, yeah, no problem. Oh, you know what? It's okay. We've got this. We'll take care of it. Gift of mercy. There's two more, quickly. The gift of helps. This is another one of those words that when you look up in the dictionary, to help means to help. It's not very hard. Uh, this is what's kind of cool. You're going to find a simple joy. God's like, you find out about an event going on. You find about something happening. There's some of you guys that I think you, you may not know it, but I've already seen it in you. Why? Because maybe after Sunday service, one of you tear up all your notepaper for some odd reason. Maybe you got hungry and didn't eat breakfast. But, or there's Bibles left all around the chairs. And then there's somebody walking through just picking up trash and Bibles. Like, was that fun? Like, not necessarily. It's better than Disneyland, but I mean, I'm just kidding. It's not necessarily fun, but there's this simple joy to just serving the Lord in the simple ways. Someone spills water, like, oh, no problem, I got it. Someone knocks over something, oh, no problem, we'll get it. There's Bibles on the chairs. Oh, they just, I just like to help. What do you need, stack chairs? Yeah, I just like to help. And God will use so many of those people to help miraculous things come to pass. And the last one for today, the gift of administration, which I always thought forever you were like God's secretary. Like, <laughs> administration, sounds like a secretary. But it's not. It's actually a really cool word used uh, back when Paul was writing this whole thing and describing stuff. You know, they get on boats and sail across the ocean all the time, islands like Crete and these other cool places. And so imagine you got this voyage that's going out. You got the captain. He's the leader, in a sense, same idea as the gift of leadership. We're going to go to Africa. Okay. How are we going to get there? I have no idea. But we are going to Africa. It's like, all right, how many men do you need on the ship? I don't know. Like, how much food to keep everyone alive? I don't know. What boat are we using? I don't know. How are we paying for this? That one? I don't know. Like, but he's determined, the gift of, now the administration's rad. On, I mean, everyone likes the gift of leadership, but really that person's able to do what he does because of other people, like the gift of helps, like the gift of giving, like the gift of administration. This doesn't mean you're good at filing papers in alphabetical order, okay? <laughs> this means that you, God will give you the ability to see into a situation, like, okay, we need, to go to, we need at least one boat, one big boat. We need 17 guys, a cook, we need... Uh, we need cannons, cannonballs, we need 50 pounds of whatever, black powder, we need two cows and five chickens that should feed everybody along the way, and they totally understand everything. They know, okay, based on this time of the year and how hard the wind's blowing, it's going to take 17 days to get there, so we need to feed 10 guys, by seven. and they, they love this stuff, and they just see what all the little needs are. That doesn't mean you have to do them all but they can somehow figure out, you need to go to Africa, I can get you to Africa. They don't have a boat, they don't have a crew, they don't have the cows and chickens, but they know what's needed. 
and they bring it to life. Pretty cool. And God will give some of you guys, look at, don't ever long for something you're not called to do. Just do what you're supposed to. He says, look, with our gifts, let us use them. Use them. Use them. Just like those things that are left in your friend's rooms that are rotting away. It's like, use it. Use it and don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. What are you talking about? Romans 12, 9 through 12. We'll read here in a second. But talk about don't, or use it, don't abuse it. Here we go. Last point. Last thought. Remember, it was a a friend I had uh, right out of high school, and they had a little brother. Went over, his brother was nine years old. And they had another sister who was like 13 at the time. And I walked into the room when the first time I was over there, and the little brother came running out. And had it, would, it seemed like a Nerf gun, but it was like literally this tall, looked more like a bazooka. And it shot some crazy dart-looking thing. I don't know who made it, but it was awesome. But there was a fight going on between brother and sister. And I happened to just walk in the middle of it. Like, hey, guys, oh, what is happening? And he went from shooting at them. Then he picked it up to just throw it at them. Now the nine-year-old kid, not saying that's good, but it was an interesting thing. And I just happened to be like, whoa, grab the gun. Like, hey, you can go fight her, but you ain't throwing this. Like, that's, that's crazy. You don't take things intended for one purpose and use it for another, okay? And there are times where the giftings, the personalities, the things that God wants to do amongst this group of people right now, because age is totally irrelevant. Don't let it go to your head. Don't let it get you all wound up. Don't be envious or jealous or prideful. Remember, you got to be holy, and holiness and humility are inseparable. And so just like in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Right after Paul talked about all the gifts, he goes on to the biggest chapter on love. Love is patient and gentle and kind. Then he gets back into the gifts for a minute. Same thing here. It's interesting. He goes through the gifts, and then he says in verse 9, but let love be without hypocrisy. Don't be two-faced in this stuff. Be careful. Abhor, hate what is evil, and cling to what is good. And he lists it. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. So I want to challenge you, write these verses down, Romans 12, 9 through 12. This is your homework for the night. Sit down with your hot chocolate, pretend like it's cold outside or something, because it should be, it's October, come on. But he brings us to this point. Who is he? The Lord. God brings us to this point, and he says, look, Holiness. Present yourself holy, a living sacrifice given to God. Don't think too highly of yourself, but associate with the humble. Speak to people the way Jesus would speak to them. Treat them the way Jesus would treat them. Help them the way Jesus would help them. You don't have to know, I don't know the name of my gift. Look, just start doing something for the Lord and you'll find out what it is but you have to intend on being holy and being helpful, okay? We're going to pray. You guys can close your Bibles. But I really want you to think right now and take a minute. I think it's awesome. You read through the book of Isaiah. It's a big book in the Old Testament. It's a handful of chapters. 
But he comes to this point and God says, look, who are we going to send? Who are we going to launch out into this world to make a radical difference? And Isaiah voluntarily wasn't drug into it. He wasn't forced. He said, I want to go. And so God touched his life and made it holy. And then he became an amazing kingdom builder. So you must voluntarily say, Lord, here am I. Send me. And then see what he does. Father, we thank you. God, for your goodness in our lives. Lord, we thank you for the fact that it's not about our talents, but about your will and your heart. And so... But from all this different stuff we've talked about over the weeks, would we not miss an opportunity? Teach us to speak with kindness. Help us to speak truth. Father, help us to be willing to put down what we want to do to help others in need at times. And Father, above all, that we would not miss it, that we would love one another as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.